Welcome to the Incubate Podcast, where we feature ordinary people doing extraordinary things. Welcome to yet another exciting episode of the Incubate Podcast. Telling the SYTN story online. My name is Charlton Soto. Today we are excited to be right here at the Eswatini Theatre Club and I am speaking to an amazing guy. I always talk to amazing, amazing people. And today I'm here with uh, Mr. Sibusiso Mkonta, who is the CEO of the Eswatini Business Expo and is also one of the guys who are running things right here at uh, the Theatre Club. I am an artist myself and whenever I come into artistic spaces, I'm totally excited about it and today is definitely no exception. Mr. Mkonta, I'm excited to be inviting you to the podcast. Thank you very much and welcome. Thank you. I'm excited. Thank you so much and um, it has taken us a beautiful while to actually pin you down because I know the expo is going to be coming soon. You've been very busy, you've been running around, but uh, you're also quite excited to be sharing your story with us as well. And uh, it is really a great privilege. We're moving around, talking to so many people in the country who are doing all sorts of incredible things um, in the economy, um, sport, and, and all of that. And so as we come into have a discussion around the creative economy, I, I find it exciting that... Um, we, this, is, this is year number two of the Eswatini Business yes. Expo, right? Could you please talk me a little bit more about this expo? What is it trying to do? Yeah, the expo was inspired um, by the absence of uh, business from during the COVID period. Because most artists had um, uh, their works kept at home. They couldn't sell them. The movement was not uh, there at the time. So when the, 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 the regulations were relaxed, we decided to uh, organize this expo so that people can put plates on their tables to eat. Because they were keeping their wares in their homes, they couldn't uh, sell them. So we came together, organized this expo, and it was very successful at the time. And we also invited the University of Botswana at the time. And I'm happy to say they responded very well. Um, and uh, they were here for the whole seven days, for seven days. And a lot of local artists as well supported the expo. We had um, Bologna during the launch at the time. Bologna is a known uh, artist in the country. And um, the response was beautiful. Even the ministry, Secretary of Commerce, Serco supported us a lot. And um, yeah, that's it. Well, so this is a platform essentially for largely for the creative um, yes. economy, for, for the creative entrepreneurs. Are there any, any specific highlights? Who do you remember the most from um, the creative entrepreneurs that you brought the last time? Uh, were there any? One from outside Babani, from outside the main uh, city centers or main urban areas who came in. What are some of your memories of, of the last time? Oh, actually the highlights, not mainly the, 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 the creative artists. It was the appreciation shown by the, the women and men who came with their ways, showcased, the appreciation they, 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 they showed, 
and encouraged me to do it again uh, this year. This I'm doing it, and it was very, very exciting. The local artists and poets came to support uh, us here. Uh, I can name a few cents. Everyone knows cents. Bologna was here, and um, artists from South Africa. There was uh, Kali, a bass guitarist who is based in Pretoria. He came to support us as well. Mm, who else? There's some guys from Nelspreit. They they're called. I forget the name of the band. They were here. To, it was really beautiful. Wow. It, was, it, was, it was very wow. nice. Wow. Yeah. And I mean, when you're looking at um, the role of uh, the creative economy itself in the broader economy, I know this is one of the things that you're very passionate about. Do you feel that the arts, culture, heritage uh, sector in the in the country is it meaningfully contributing to the economy uh, of Eswatini? And if if not, where could some of the, the gaps be? Because I know once you start speaking, let's say about mining, about uh, the finance sector, you can you can quantify the contribution that the sectors are making to the broader economy. Mm. What would be your, your comment about the creative? Um, do we do we really know uh, what it's contributing, or where where have been some of the gaps? It's sad, really. It's sad. I don't think we know, or I don't think we even appreciate what artists bring into the economy, or we don't have a measure, we don't know how to measure it. That is why I would say the art industry it, it, it is neglected in a way. Artists here fend for themselves. Uh, the little support they get from government is not enough. Not only from government, artists will get support from other businesses. Yeah, from private sector. From private sector, from Individuals even, they, 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 that's why I'm in this space. I help a lot of artists find themselves, some of them have not been on stage, but they have uh, things, they have their poems in their phones, their music on their phones. So I give them a stage, I ask them to perform here, for free. some of them get on stage for the first time. Anyway, about the economy thing. I think we should, our government should measure or find a way to measure and the contribution that arts make in our economy. Because there's a lot. There is a lot, yeah. Because there are a lot of uh, uh, things. Of course, like for instance, if, if I talk about music, there's lighting, there's engineering, there is uh, people who are marketing the music. That contributes a lot to the economy. There's a lot, a lot that they contribute. And the career in music is not just the singing. There's a lot of other things involved in it. So I would, well, I would encourage parents to, to not to, but parents think music is just for leisure. Music now is commercial. Music now, it's a, even fine arts, not, not the certain music, even fine arts, some do collage, some do. Uh, some visuals, like what we write now. This is a, a skill that when you are quiet, you can be, you can assort it maybe. Someone can uh, ask you to do the same thing you're doing here, maybe in South Africa, in Europe. That brings a lot of money to the, to the country. Yeah. So, so what's critical is to appreciate that there's a whole value chain around the creative industry. Exactly. Exactly. There is 
the artists you see on stage, but behind the scenes there are people who are, who are working there to make sure this guy is on stage. There are folks who are working on lights, there are folks who, who are working on directing the filming and, and all of that. So if you're going to be adding all these small components, then you actually have a, a sizable uh, chunk economic contribution in terms of economic contribution. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And and I mean, look, when it's it's not just here in Eswatini. If you also move around Africa, that same question is also there as well. To say, how do we get to meaningfully quantify the contribution of of the arts as an industry to to the economy? And I think the important aspect you raise around value chains, uh, I think, is, is is one of the easiest ways for. It could be economists, for, for example, to be able to get in and, and properly understand. Uh, that is very, very key. You speak very passionately about various forms of arts. I, I know uh, you've been in this space for a while. I want to hear just a little bit about your own journey. Where did your appreciation of the arts start? At what point did you decide, I want to start supporting young people, I want to start giving spaces to young people? You know, as you mentioned, that at, at times you, you're giving artists an opportunity to, to be on stage for the very first time. How has been your journey? At what point did you decide, look, I need to start working with artists, I need to start enabling or supporting artists? Do you still... I've always worked with artists. I'm a librarian by profession. Wow. Wow. I used to have exhibitions at the library. A lot of artists used to, to stay there, us there, and I used to really admire them. Most of them were foreign, though. They're not local artists, so I used to encourage local artists to come and exhibit at the library. It was an exhibition center there. It was really underutilized by local people. And I felt sad for myself because I'm an artist at heart, but I never got the opportunity because yeah. we were denied opportunities. Like, you know, I'm not very young. Yeah. <laughs> so, those days. <laughs> You're young at heart. <laughs> yeah, those days, they, when, when you talked about, when you talk about art, they thought you were crazy. Or you were maybe a darker smoker. Or you were, yeah. Something like that. They didn't like, my parents didn't, my, my parents appreciated what I did artistically, but they didn't want me to venture into it. And locally, there was no support structure. For, for artists. So when I see young people trying to do something that I really love myself, I thought, ah, let me just help them. As much as I was, I, I did not get the, the help that I, 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 I needed at the time. Now that I'm here and I can do it, I can help them, let me just help them achieve their goals. Wow. Um, I usually I like putting faces to some of these stories. I, I'm just, you know, at a point, let's say, when you're feeling so discouraged, are there one or two artists that you think about that you started with way back and then that just inspires you to say, no, if, if I could do so much for one or two of these artists, we could even do more. Do you, do you recall any one or two artists that uh, you feel they've had an impact in their lives no. and you think you can, no, you can no. do a, a, a little bit more? Yeah, I can name a few there's lots of dance hip hop. There's a genius, or something, who does um, that. Actually, is a very good story. He does uh, visuals with visual art with um, waste. He collects waste 
and turns it into arts. That is something I like a lot. Wow. wow. Beautiful, beautiful pieces. That is amazing. Yeah, and that is amazing. There's a guy called Lungs, he also does hip-hop. And uh, I don't know other guys. Some of them don't even Some of them in South Africa now doing very well, what though would be your comment around uh, all this talent and uh, and talent management itself? What's sort of like the status of? Because one of the main failures of, of artists is not because they are not uh, talented, but at times it's simply because they are they're very poorly managed. What's your view around talent management in the country? I've seen a couple of these artists still come back to you for advice. And do you ever get to manage any of the artists, or do you even have time? Or what's your view really around artist management in, in the country? It's a really not at a level where it should be. Most people are self-absorbed. They want to own the artist. The artist you can own an artist. Yeah. Just let the artist be. Just manage their face behind the scenes. Yeah. Most people want to even, I don't know, like the artist belong to them. I've never managed an artist. I just give them space to express themselves. That's what I do. Uh, uh, uh. I don't want anything as a tennis player because it fulfills me the fact that now they are doing what they like and it makes me. It is basically their reward. What once they're successful and they do what they want to do, it makes me feel good. Wow. Mm. Wow. Wow. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, there are huge conversations that are also going on in other African countries around, around artist management itself. We, in many of our countries, have such poor levels of, of artist management, as you rightly also are, are confirming. Uh, managers think it's their job to own the artist, they want to control the artist's life. And one of the things you just do not want to do in this life is to no. try and, and, and own or contain an artist. Mm. They'll just rebel and... Uh, and it, it, and it never gets anywhere. So and it's a skill. It is it's a skill as well. It's a skill. You need to learn how to manage. Yeah. Most of these managers, they don't. They never. They never manage anything. Yeah. They but can't even manage their own lives. Yeah. They, yeah. Think they can manage artists. <laughs> they don't even know yeah. because that, you have to go to school for that. You have to learn how to manage artists. You have to understand contracts. You have to understand even accounting and everything. Yeah. When you come here, you want to manage something, you're not even aware. That's one other thing. To manage an artist is also part of uh, yeah. that. It, 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 it's a very chain thing. Yeah. You do yeah. this, but it, it's part of the art, but you, you're not necessarily a musician or a painter, or, but you contribute in this yeah. art space by also contributing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, so I mean, I've just also been wondering, is this a space where, I think, as, as uh, arts developers, is this a space where maybe we could work around uh, getting to proffer more training to arts managers to give them more, more capacity strengthening so that they're able to do this better? Yeah, it be beautiful. Yeah. Workshops mm -hmm. uh, for the artists themselves to understand money. Yeah. Artists, they, they get a gig, they make uh, 200,000 they go buy a job. Yeah. And they're and finished. They're dead. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. you should also teach them how, how, how finances work, teach the managers how finances work, and teach the managers how legal implications, any document that they have. Of contracts, we're getting to very yeah. terrible contracts. Yeah, terrible contracts. Just because you want to be popular, you want to, you think that you want to, 
And then you sign some a document that you shouldn't have signed. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. very, very important as well. It's something to, to work on, yeah. Mm. Mr. Mkonta, I'm going to take you slightly back because we're, we're talking about um, when you're sharing your own story, you spoke about the role that parents could potentially play either in terms of encouraging or nurturing talent within the home when um, one of their children is emerging as an artist or they could totally shut that child out and discourage them and get them to go, you know, to focus more on getting eight grades and, and all of that. What do you feel is the role that the family plays in supporting nurturing of talent and then connecting that with the education system itself? Do you feel that our education system is doing enough to support the nurturing of talent or children are just being driven towards becoming straight A students in the academic pathways? What's, what's your view on this? Okay, the misconception is that all kids at school will get A's or B's and mm -hmm. go to university. There are so many creative kids that are discouraged. They should be actually given space to do what they are talented at. Not just, to, if you don't make it uh, academically, then you can't make it maybe uh, you are technically minded or you are. That is a sad story. Maybe it's too big. I don't blame our parents though. I blame the system of education inherited from the, 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 the colonialists. Let me give you an example. What's the longest river in Africa? And it's called with the Nile. The Nile, yeah. Do you know how many cubic liters of water it carries? Mm, a vast amount. They don't teach us that. Yeah. You know why? Yeah. <laughs> That's very interesting. I, I've never learned that in my life. And they don't teach us that on purpose. Because they know, once we know that, we will know that we have to make a dam here, a dam there, and not there. They know that this water can water our plants and grow our things, and we are now independent of them. They don't teach us those things. They just tell you the longest river is the Nile. And that's it. That's it. And you write the question, what's the longest river? The Nile. Then you pass. And you get A's. And yeah. you get A's. And you think you're educated. <laughs> Yeah. That's push it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's amazing how our 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 people people came before us. Yeah. Let that happen. Yeah. For instance, there are many lives that have been destroyed by students or children that could not do well in languages, especially English. If you fail English and you are good in maths science, physics, whatever, your life is doomed. You're not going anywhere. You have to pass the colonial language to then pass your, 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 your form 5 or whatever. Mm. That, to me, is rubbish. Actually, I was thinking that we should organize a class suit. We sue our government mm -hmm. for allowing that to happen. <laughs> I, I can imagine I, I, I'm yeah. sure that, that yeah. is a travesty of justice. Yeah. So many people I know, actually, so many people I know, they're gods in mathematics, but they're just poor in English. And their lives were destroyed. That's very sad. Yeah. That's very, very sad. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's quite interesting you, you're saying this. There actually seems to be a bit of a revolution going on across the continent where there's a generation that has found, I think, new value in, uh, in African languages in African culture, 
and uh, even even in our own belief systems as well as as Africans right across. And what I find pretty curious is that African culture is appreciated a lot more outside Africa. You know, you have, you have some of our top performers, they are performing outside their countries, even outside the continent, using indigenous languages, and they're getting so much reception out there compared to back on the, on the home soil. How do we get more artists to write poetry in vernacular? How do we get our hip-hoppers to, to be rapping in, in local languages? We want to hear more Siswati rap music. Mm. We, want, we want more Kiswahili you know, dance hall, or you, you name it. How do we get to build appreciation of our own indigenous languages and culture um, among our creatives? What do you think needs to be done there? In one of the workshops I attended, I rose up and spoke about that. I spoke about three things, actually. I spoke about the, um, the use of English in presenting poetry, even conceptualizing the poem. You you, you you will think in English. That's also said. And I asked this artist, why you do that? Then they said they want to be heard internationally. And I told them, poets that I know very well are not English. They are Russian, they are Chinese, they are Lebanese. And they perform in their own languages. They perform in their own languages. And then it's up to the the, the people who do not understand that kind to translate it in the language that they understand. The Khalil Gibran, for instance, a Lebanese guy. Beautiful, beautiful writer. It amazes me that we, 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 we hate ourselves so much just that we don't want to do creative things in our own language. The resonance of our cultural experiences and because this thing it's in your genes this is your your great 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 grandfather lives in so obviously what you express in your language has more meaning has more resonance than somebody somebody expressing something in English that they don't even understand very well the language it's sad it makes me those things make me really cry yeah 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 and another thing I spoke to them about was the weeks. Mm -hmm. See these weeks they were? Mm -hmm. <laughs> From Brazil and you know, and <laughs> yeah. It, they don't realize that the hair women have on their heads and your hair and mine, those are, are, are antennas to universal knowledge. You receive through your hair. I like that. Now if you cover your hair, what are you going to receive? That's why these <laughs> people, they don't understand nothing about nothing. Because yeah. they can't receive knowledge. Universal knowledge is all over, but they can't catch it because they've covered their head with this Brazilian hair. I don't know what they call it. They're just hating yourself. They, when you ask them why, they say they want to look nice. And you see now tears are coming out of my eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, Ignorance will kill these people. Yeah. I don't know why they think yeah. like that. Yeah. No, it's very true. But it's the colonialists too, actually. Make you think if you look like a white person one small bit, you're a better person than the, the one who looks like yeah. sad. Yeah, yeah. I think really a time is just coming where where 
Africans have to reclaim their own heritage, where we it's we have our identity or nothing else apart from our identity and the people that we actually are. We absolutely have nothing else. But you bring in an interesting conversation there around the amount of self hate that we have as as Africans. We want to associate with everything else except that which belongs to us. And you see this quite a lot in you know various forms of artistic expression and. Uh, yeah, it's it's something that really needs to to be dealt with. I also have just been wondering though about, um, and I know you always talk about this as well about how our Africans are pretty much just the same. That we are all one people, right, from Cape up to Cairo, and uh, of course because of colonialism and all of that, you you get some having been made to believe that they are better Africans than others, and 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 all of that. How do we get more? collaborations between African artists? How do we get Eswatini artists collaborating with those from Malawi, from Zambia, from Ethiopia, from, from all sorts of places? What do you think needs to happen at that level to, to enhance more inter-African collaboration among, among creatives on the continent? You know, I remember in the 70s and 80s when I was going out, we never listened to West or let me just say music from above the equator. Because they said it was rubbish. When I got to listen to it in the 90s, I bought it myself. I was amazed at the beautiful sounds they play. Amazed at the beautiful. Yeah, well, I wish I could play, I could play some of them now. Like Baba Mal, I listened to those. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful music. The thing is, at the time, being in Southern Africa, we were not allowed by the colonialists, especially the South African thing at the time, because they are the, the, the bigger economy. Music from out there was thought to be influential in our thinking, and then we feel revolutionaries, but now we were supposedly free. Why don't we? Uh, we have musical organizations that um, are, are there, maybe in Swaziland, and get together, make workshops, go up there, interact, learn from the, uh, one another, and teach whatever some music. You find people comparing um, human cigarettes, for instance, with, um, say, Sadistator. Yeah. You can't compare. This is a musical experience. It, it, it moves along seamlessly together. You just have to yeah. listen yeah. and learn from both uh, uh, artists. You can't then say this one is better, this one is not uh, good enough, because you don't know. We learn. Uh, the, my, my children, for instance, they love jazz now, because I, they listen to jazz. I expose them to jazz. And then their kids, they, but when we when my kids play jazz music, they say, Why was this sisters? And then now their friends now they're beginning to love the jazz thing. Because if you're exposed to uh, quiet, you love quiet. If you're exposed yeah. to uh, a piano, you love my piano. Yeah. But we're exposed yeah. to different kinds, I mean, I love all kinds of music. And it's not just one genre. Yeah. That also opens your mind. Music opens your mind in a way you never understand. That is why I always say to my friends, I'll never get into an argument with somebody who doesn't listen to Jeff. Because he his mind stops. Uh, that person might kill him. 
<laughs> just doesn't think like you. Yeah. Yeah. That is something we need to, uh, or maybe invite, uh, like um, Certificate of Justice, invite uh, him to come play here, mm -hmm. invite uh, Zimbabwe Museum to come play here. But because they have commercialized the sound space, it is difficult to invite somebody from Nigeria to come play without having maybe two hundred thousand dollars or even what our local currency, <laughs> which is sad. We don't have that kind of money, yeah. so we don't play. We don't. We don't interact with them as much yeah. as we should. Yeah, which yeah. is also stupid, really. Yeah, because we we really need to interact at a level where. We appreciate that our art, as, as Africans, we, we tell stories through our art. This is how older generations are passing wisdom and knowledge to the younger generations. This is how our spirituality is also shared and interacted. So, so we have a level, I think, of our art, we should, in my view, should not be commercialized. Which, which should not be monetized, because this is, this is our identity. Of course, then, as we're saying, we're, we're trying to develop an economy from the... We're then saying, how do we take from this, and then how do we start packaging for for audiences? But we need to get to a place where where Africans are connecting based on our heritage, on on sharing our stories, on on sharing our, our legend based on 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 our on our creative art. It then brings me to uh, another discussion, which is more a, a kind of policy level sort of discussion, where you know in moving right across Africa, one of the main complaints you hear from, especially the arts industry or the arts sector, mm -hmm. is the inefficiencies of usually, these are like national arts councils, that, or they could be, uh, depends on what different governments call them, but there's usually a parastatal uh, or a quasi-government agency that, that essentially coordinates or oversees yeah, the, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. yeah, exactly. So one of the arguments is that in most cases, these are, these are just civil servants who are sitting there, some of them have actually not been artists themselves and so at times don't really have a, a complete appreciation, you know. So as we're speaking about the importance of, of Africans also being able to connect at a non-commercial sort of level, it just got me to think about the role that different governments, specifically the arts councils, can play in terms of the linkages, the connections, and and uh, you know creating an environment for artists from different African countries to to compare to okay compare notes, but also to collaborate and all. What what would be your thoughts on how do we strengthen national arts councils? How do we get them to become more responsive? Even even governments themselves, if you look at the sort of budgets at times that are given to the art sector, it's a pity when you compare even to other sectors of economies that are, in, in, in truth, maybe non-performing, what do you think needs to be done to, in terms of the role of the arts councils, but also even in terms of governments, African governments, budgetary mm. support to artists in the arts sector? It's sad, really. I don't yeah. even want to talk about our own yeah. arts council. It's yeah. really sad. Yeah. It's really, really sad. <sighs> yeah. When you ask that, I know I'm, 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 I'm censoring myself. Mm -hmm. No, no, it's fine. I don't mind. It's okay. No, we're looking at it. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm censoring myself because the lack of appreciation from these councils, I, I, I don't know in other countries, but here there's a lack of appreciation of the very thing they're supposed to be looking after. They don't appreciate it as much as they should. They don't advocate 
for it to be, you know, recognized fully by, by our government. And uh, that creates a, a situation where I was encouraging the artists at the time themselves to form their own thing and go look for their own. Because they, they, this government this will never give you money if they don't know, they, they, they don't even have the mechanism to measure your contribution yeah. to, to the economy. They don't have the measurement. They can't, right now, if I were to ask them, how much does the art contribute in, this, in, in the certain economy? They wouldn't tell me because they don't know. And there's a lot at conservation camps, a lot. And if they knew how much art contribute, I'm sure they would do something about it. They don't. Now, I also blame the artists themselves. They need to empower themselves uh, by forming strong organizations that will, you know, go and lobby governments, go and lobby multinationals or corporates to support the arts. In this country there's a tendency to to pay local artists less than South African artists. Mm -hmm. When there's a, a show, a gig somewhere, they call it they call them international artists, people are next to them. It's just as they call them intelligent artists, the South Africans, and they pay not even double, sometimes three times more than local artists. What do you expect? Yeah. Because they, they, they worship this South African. Uh, I, I know maybe our demographics in this country, uh, they cannot sustain many, but there's international audiences now. There's uh, platforms, YouTube, uh, Facebook, uh, all of these things you can. But the artists themselves need to be empowered somehow. When you talk to them, they make a lot of noise, the artists, but they don't have a way forward. Now, what's the way forward? They, they, they don't know. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But this piece of blaming government, blaming this one thing is also not really productive. There's a sense of uh, there's need to self-organize also among mm. artists themselves, mm. but the different mm. subgenres, and um, <clears throat> you have a much better voice when you when you're well coordinated, isn't it? And uh, even sure. if you're engaging and lobbying government, it's a whole lot easier to do it when when artists are coming together in their own groupings and and, and all, yeah. I think, I think this is critical. I want us to, as we're working towards um, wrapping up on our conversation, you, you spoke about the impacts of COVID earlier on, on on artists and how artists lost livelihoods and, and things like that. Would you say things are much better now? And especially as we're looking at this year's uh, Expo, what's your sense of uh, where things are? Have um, artists made recoveries this year compared to the last two years of COVID and uh, What's going to be the emphasis of the expo this time around? Yeah, they, 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 there is an improvement. And we hope, uh, but it's not enough. It's mm -hmm. really, it should be actually doubt should be flourishing now because the, the regulations, the COVID regulations have been relaxed. In this expo, uh, I've organized some workshops for artists, workshops even for the big artists and the, the smaller ones. I've invited um, some people from Botswana, some from South Africa, and they've confirmed that they will be here to actually share their experiences with our, 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 our local artists. And they learn, or maybe they also teach them something, because you only, we, 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 learn, we learn from one another.
uh, you know. So I hope they will attend and they will, uh, will share and uh, take it from there. The, 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 the sky is the limit. Actually, the sky is not the limit. Yeah. Can <coughs> go further? Yeah, I can go further. Yeah. 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 What is your promise to people who are about to sign up for the expo for, for this year? Some who still haven't made up their minds, who are still sitting on the fence. Um, what is your promise to people for the expo in 2022? I don't have to promise them anything. People have to promise themselves. <laughs> people have, you see, this business of giving people promises, or if I don't fulfill the promises, then yeah. Yeah. people own this expo. It's not my expo. They cannot, they make it happen. It benefits them, yeah. it benefits the country. Yeah. I can't make any promises. People should come and really make it their expo. Wow. And wow. support it. But the, the problem is, I don't know, maybe we are spoiled, I don't know. Yeah. We think somebody should give something to some someone. Yeah. Then it becomes, oh, this, this make this thing happen yourself. It's our, it's our thing. Yeah. It, it, it's our expo. This is very interesting. Um, I remember having a conversation with you at some point and you were talking about the issue of, uh, of art itself to say, Look, we, we are crying about markets for, for artists, but we are the first market ourselves. Let's go out there, let's, let's buy the curios from our people. Let's decorate our offices with, with things that are made by, by artists so that we can then stand and say, artists are not getting supported, but we have done our, our part. I'm just thinking of this based on what you're saying now to say, we are the people who make the expo mm. succeed. We, we are the first customers for, for these women, these rural women who are creating nice baskets and, and for our artists yes. we should be consuming their art. It's really sad. You go to these offices, you find um, paintings, especially these multinationals, there's Van Gogh, there, mm -hmm. there is Picasso, there is Picasso, there is Actually, those are not even genuine because those over those yeah. are copies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And these people, because if they have them on their walls, they think they are more important than. Yeah. I once asked another corporate, uh, I won't mention the name, yeah. to take some pieces uh, from one of my artists to hang on the wall. Uh, uh, and and, and uh, we will change them. Actually, if someone wants to buy the piece, they'll just buy it and then we replace it with, with, with another piece. Mm. They refused. Wow. They say we don't we don't take this is the quality is not up to the standard that you will require. Mm. Who measures that? Who measures yeah. who, who sets the standard? <laughs> yeah. Just because it's made by a local, yeah. you want a mine. Yeah. We're not supportive. Or maybe I, I actually then I thought ignorance we kill these people. Yeah. I'm telling you. Because some of them, they don't understand nothing about that. Yeah. Yet they tell you this is not up to a certain standard. Yeah. So by who? It's true. Huh? Interestingly though, you, you take some of our, our local products, they go to the Venice Biennale out there, they go in international expos mm. and they're winning awards mm. and you know mm. they're being bid for serious money. Some pieces, but, yeah, some yeah. pieces. 
Europeans do not want to return them to Africa. They, yes. they refuse. Exactly. They, they stole them. <laughs> the stuff that you say, when they stole them, they stole the species, they refuse to return them to Africa. Actually, they tell us, you guys don't have a place to keep them. Yeah. This is where they them from in the first place. Yeah. Some of the species are 2,000 years old. They only yeah. got them 200 years ago. And they say you can't store them. Where did they find them? Yeah. Because we'll be storing them for <laughs> one point five thousand years. Them. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. That's true. It's an insult. Yeah. It's a really good insult. It's an insult. I agree. And we let it happen. Because actually, it shouldn't be the individual, the individual countries that are demanding that they ask them. It should be the AU. Is it the AU now? Yeah. Yeah. It should be the AU. Collectively, going to these uh, countries where we know our African artists and demanding it. Yeah. If we're storing a uh, European art, it's the European Union that will be demanding Oh, that. there will be war. There will be war. <laughs> and these people, yeah. they, they, they still disrespect us. You know? And we let them disrespect us because we are greedy. Yeah. I'm telling you now, you may find that this subject will quiet down because somebody has been given say, 5 million uh, euros and pounds yeah. and then said, uh, this subject will revisit at some time in the future. Yeah. It's just because now we need to build a, a spaces of yourself to keep. Yeah. yeah, you see? But we we're always keeping them. That's bullshit. Yeah, that. yeah we we're always keeping them. <sighs> Okay, I, know what you, yeah, I know what you mean. They are insulting us, these people. Yeah, yeah. There is a lot, I'm just picking from, from this, there's a lot that we need to do to encourage and support local talent, to incentivize, because local talent will also not grow for as long as we do not nurture it and, uh, and give it support. And there's also a need also to be able to strike a balance when we are bringing in artists from other areas to also come and perform locally as well. Uh, not to push the local artists to the fringes, mm -hmm. you know, just, I think even on issues related to remuneration. In some cases, it really is an insult, to be honest, when you think of, when you hear the sort of uh, monies that local performers are given compared to, let's say, you know, international artists and all of that. And I, I think so there's, there should be deliberate policy at government level to be able to, to I, I understand, you know, some of the draw cards and all of that, but let's also remember that we're trying to inspire our upcoming artists as well and, and, and I think it's a critical part of, uh, of the conversation that you, you also just, just, just spoke about there. Um, I think my, my last question to you really in, in this discussion would be related to adoption of technology, you know, emerging technologies now, um, people are, are pushing their, their art based on social media, use of the internet, and all of that. What are your reflections there? What, what do you think artists need to be doing, especially to, to be reaching out to, to more global, you know, sort of audiences and, and all of that? What, what do you think is the important role maybe that, you know, technology could play to support our artists to get their work out there? I have mixed feelings about that. Okay. Uh, I'll give you an example. There's a guy who made a piece here, put it on the internet, and some white boy copied the exact same thing and sold it for a lot of money. The guy who created the piece got nothing. nothing. I think there must be a way, or maybe you, you, you guys are more clued up on this technology thing than me, 
there must be a way to create a platform and lock the, 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 the art in there. I don't know how it, 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 it can be done. And when, when you want to access that, you get a password from the artist or the organization that put yeah. it in there. Yeah. I don't know whether that's possible. Yeah, yeah, I mean the whole, what I'm just speaking from what you're saying, there's a, there's a whole concern around intellectual property mm -hmm. and theft of copyright and, and all those things. And uh, so even as we are promoting African art on, on digital social spaces or any of these emerging platforms, we also need to find a way of being able to copyright and safeguard um, our artists' work. Yes. I, think, I think this is critical. Yes. Yeah, this is, a, this is very critical. So the law who has been there, so we trace if, 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 yeah. if a piece that the I made comes up in Belgium, yeah. this is my thought, this is my creation. Yeah. And interestingly, when they go in those spaces, they are quickly patented and they start owning the rights you see? Of, of this world. Mm -hmm. And there so, you are, you are a small little you know, African, exactly. <laughs> and you're, you're, you're born. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know how true it is, the whole story around um, the that, that movie with the, was it the one of the the Coke bottle? What was it called? The Ghost Must Be Crazy. Crazy, you yeah. yeah. That one, yeah, where they say one of the lead actors um, was actually got something like two hundred dollars or so, and yet the movie made a couple of millions and all of that. Just just thinking of. Just less that I think that was in groceries. Oh, you see now. <laughs> You see now, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so definitely, I think the issue around around intellectual property that you mentioned is a is a good. But are there any any good opportunities as well? There, uh huh. There, of course. There, but you see, I'm not clued up on this thing. Right, right. But I think, you know, especially in terms of taking the, the work out there, marketing and all. Yeah, yes, yes. right, right. No, thank you so mm -hmm. much. This, this has been an amazing conversation, um, yes. Mr. Um, Conta. Thank you so much for taking time with us. Great conversation on the creative uh, sector. Great conversations on the art sector. Thank you so much for coming to the Incubate podcast. We are excited to be telling the Eswatini story online. And today we've been at the Eswatini Theatre Club talking to Mr. Sposiso Nkonta. And uh, thank you so very much and all the best. With the greatest community. Thank you. Bye.